0: Welcome to the Hey Salespeople podcast, where we talk to the brightest minds in modern sales and get their tips and advice on all things sales. I'm your interim host, Jenna Sachs from SalesLoft. Hey salespeople, I'm Jenna, your interim host, and today I want to welcome Allison Graham to the podcast. Welcome, Allison.
1: Hey, Jenna. Good to be here.
0: Great to have you here. Allison is a global account manager at Amazon Web Services, a cloud computing infrastructure platform powering hundreds of thousands of businesses in almost 200 countries globally. Now, we always like to talk to kick-ass sales leaders on Hey Salespeople, and Allison has really done it all when it comes to enterprise sales and strategy. I personally had the pleasure of working with her as my CRO and mentor at an AI and machine learning startup just a few years ago. She's also had various leadership roles, IBM, Salesforce, and sales and business development growth, mostly at a global scale again, Alison, really excited to have you here. You know, we like to start this off with an icebreaker. When I worked with you, it was right before the pandemic. So I'd love to hear, you know, what you've been up to then, if there's anything, any fun fact or something like that you picked up during the pandemic that you've, you know, brought into your life now.
1: Thank you, Jenna. It's, like I said, it's such a privilege to be here. Thanks so much for thinking of me for your podcast so what what have I learned during the pandemic? Like many of us, I've learned that it's good to like where you live because now I spend much more time at home than I think I have in the last 30 years. Something that I picked up during COVID is I genuinely believe I've become a better listener. I think because I miss people a lot and I have missed people a lot, now when I'm in the company of others, I think it's made me a better salesperson and a better sales leader because now when I am in someone's company, I don't waste a second of it. I find myself being more in the moment and I'm loving it. And I think, I, I don't want to speak for my clients, but I think they're loving it too.
0: Yeah, I think that's, that's awesome. So I mean, that leads into some of the things we you know, definitely want to get into today, looking at what makes a good salesperson, a great salesperson. I'd love to hear kind of your take, especially in a remote world, especially with some of the things that you've learned Today, what is your opinion of that and you know how do you drive that as a sales leader?
1: A lot of my answer comes from from real-world experience. What's the difference between a, a good salesperson and a great salesperson? Number one is discipline. It's discipline all day long. Right? So if you can wake up each day with your business on your mind and be somewhat obsessed with your business and your customers and serving your customers, you will be successful. And so discipline plays A critical role if even if you're in your first day on the job or your 20th year on the job, where I work now at Amazon, they refer to every day as being day one. And the philosophy behind that is to treat your customers and your business partners and your internal business partners as challenges or you know, um, events that happen um, with a day one mindset. And the discipline also comes from managing one's business, right? So managing one's pipeline, managing your reporting to to all of your stakeholders, managing your communications with your customers. If that's not disciplined and if that's not repeatable, then you'll do okay. I mean, everyone can do okay, but if you want to be exceptional, discipline's always number one. A really close number two is that repeatability. Find something that works for you and your customers. And never, ever, ever forget who the most important person in the room is at all times. It's your customer. I know it's really hard, even if you're in a small company or a big company, to want to please everyone. But at the end of the day, if you're not obsessed with how it works out for your customer, then they're going to turn to someone who is obsessed with their well-being.
0: Being on RevOps, I can appreciate uh, repeatability and process and all of those different areas um, that, that essentially drive that discipline. Um, I'd love to hear if you have any examples of how you've shaped this strategy, again, with the obsession of customers at the center of it. Um, how have you approached this, either when starting a new role or just you know, getting better at your current role?
1: Um, We as sales professionals must go into our marketplace with a level of confidence that we're providing the right service or the right tool for the right customer at the right time. And if you can lead your business that way, it shows. It shows to your customer base. It shows to your business partners. It shows to all of your stakeholders. And what do I mean by that? You know, if I am selling cars, or or a fleet of cars to an organization, I want to make sure that the kind of car I'm selling to them is the right tool or the right right answer to their issue at that time. And then my job is to make sure that they succeed, period. And with that success and with that relationship that you build and, and building on your customer's success, your success will come right? So if your customer makes money selling software to the marketplace, to a certain group of individuals, and you can help them do more of that, then you will make money. Um, And you'll not only make money, but you'll start to make a career out of what you're doing. Then, you know, sales execution, back to that, that first point of discipline, sales execution probably won't change 100 for hundred years from now. Sales execution is sales execution. Now, you as a sales individual or sales leader may have different tools or processes that you have to deal with, but making sure that your customer is aware of every step along the way, you know, it's just 101 salesmanship. Making sure your customer feels comfortable at every step of the of the sales process and of the sales motion is really, really important you've found your customer, you've acquired that customer and then, you know, servicing the heck out of that customer is the the best way to grow your next sale. You know, making each customer a very, very special part of your business will pay dividends for forever. You know, those recommendations and that uh, excellent business practice doesn't just stay at that company, it can start to follow you as an individual or as a leader uh, reputationally uh, around your marketplace, it's really important. So, you know, I think looking at the the
0: customer at the center of everything. How do you use that to, you know, define your process, and also then plan for how you execute on that process?
1: Yeah, it's a great question, Jenna. So, I mean, going back to any anything that we can sell, right? So, after the sale there's all of the work that must go into the adoption of your product or your service, right? Because it's one thing to sell it, but if you don't create that annuity and if you look at, uh, you know, especially today with a lot of the um, software as a service or, or cloud computing or anything really that's a subscription-based model, if you and your organisation don't put a lot of care and feeding into that adoption and customer satisfaction phase of the, of the sales you know cycle and sales journey, then you can kind of guarantee that your next sale is going to be difficult to find. And I know that there's organizations that provide compensation for sellers just up to the point of sale, and then someone else takes over. But the really, really clever and the really, really smart sales professionals stay with that client after the sale, make sure that adoption is high and customer satisfaction is high. And that, that, that kind of cycle can start again, whether it be through referral or whether it be through, you know, word of mouth or, or marketing with that customer. It's your guarantee to a, a healthy pipeline forevermore, right, when you think about it. So a lot of my strategy typically typically comes from those three buckets, acquisition of customer, you know, sale to the customer, and then the customer servicing and life cycle. Um, that customer servicing and lifecycle is really the big part of the iceberg underneath.
0: Right, exactly. I think a lot of companies right now are struggling with what is the role of customer success? What is the role of an account manager role? How do we structure the org to really optimize that efficiency? And at the end of the day, there's no right answer. As long as you're putting the customer at the center of everything, that is the right answer. So I love that approach. So. I mean, with all of that in mind, obviously, especially in a role where you might be doing acquisition and growth and customer success, or at least kind of being part of that journey as a team, how do you plan for your day, week, month, year? How are you looking at all of that from a big picture perspective?
1: You know, culturally, you're always going to have different styles of leadership, right? Like, it's unfathomable to think that one person joins a company and is still at that company 50 years later. Like, I don't think that happens anymore. But regardless of the environment you find yourself in, there are things you can do as a sales professional to ensure your own success. And typically, a lot of that has to do with that discipline that I, you probably hear me talk about that all, through, all throughout the podcast today. I know in advance what I'm doing for the next month. And I know that because I look at my month and I look at my month really strategically and I understand what's important to me. I understand what's important to my client, what's important to my sales management, and I plan my month accordingly. Any time of the year you can go online, you know, there's a million books that you can read on this topic, but having that discipline to understand On a Sunday afternoon, what does my week look like? Or what even does my Monday look like, right, can really start to set you up for success. And if you're going into the week, you know, if if you're not passionate and driven about the results you want to drive in that day, that week, that month, or that, you know, that quarter, then guess what? You're probably not going to drive those results, Let's say I need to make a million dollars in sales for my company this year and you work backwards from that. Okay, where do I think my million dollars is going to come from and what are the things I need to do this year to be able to achieve a million dollars? Maybe you break that down into four quarters and say, okay, I need to make $250,000 a quarter for for my company. Maybe you start to break that quarter down into each month. What do I need to do in a month? What do I need to do in a week? What What do I need to do every day? To drive towards that million dollars plus and start to build that as a habit for yourself, right? Start to build that as a habit. And maybe every Monday at 5 p.m., you carve out one hour for yourself to say, okay, did I achieve the goals that I set out last week? Am I on track to, to make them this week? What are the things I need to do to change course to make sure that I do achieve my objectives? And is, is everything I'm doing getting closer to my top three objectives? Your top three objectives probably should look like revenue generation, customer satisfaction, and, you know, the third can can kind of vary depending on the organisation you're in, but it's most likely going to be something that you, you've agreed on with, with your management team, right? So whether that be something to do with uh, new lead generation or you know, making sure that you've hit a, a certain percentage with your, with your business partners. But those top two, they rarely vary. How much money am I going to bring in and how happy are my customers going to be?
0: Yeah, that totally makes all the sense in the world. <laughs> Again, I mean, none of this is rocket science, but hearing it all together is really insightful. So, you know, love, love to dive deeper into this too. You know, when you have a balance of customer satisfaction, maybe that acquisition piece how are you prioritizing that from a day-to-day basis to to know where to spend your time?
1: There's times in all of our day, week, year that are determined by the customer where we're going to spend our time, right? So uh, we're fortunate enough to work in a really competitive, fast-moving commercial environment, and so there's going to be times uh, during the year, during the week, during the month where your customer will dictate where your time is going to be spent, and so that happens to all of us, right? So I. I work for an organization that prides itself on, on having, you know, very high level of uptime, but there's always factors out of, out of our control. You know, again, fortunate to work with an organization that has a really strong account management layer at that, at that technical layer. So it's oftentimes that we will work very one-to-one with the customer on, on solving problems for them. Now, if my customer reaches out to me with an issue, I reprioritize my whole day. Because getting that customer over their issue, it becomes number one priority. And so reprioritization is a really important skill that we should all learn. Being able to pivot and reprioritize is a hugely important part of all of our day-to-day. Where am I spending time otherwise? I'm spending 80% of my time with my top 20% customers. And the, the numbers typically are going to reflect that. There's a lot of time spent with customers. When I'm in sales management mode, I tend to spend time with people that, that need help. I don't know if, if folks are familiar with the term servant management, but my job as a leader is to really serve the, the organization and serve the people that, that work for me in that organization.
0: I love the prioritization throughout the day of just how do you make sure the customers is happy? And, and the 80-20 rule, I think, is always there um, to some extent. And then I definitely want to drill more into that role of sales leadership as well, because it is different, right? If you're an individual contributor, you're prioritizing and spending a lot of time with customers. But if you're a manager, you might be doing that as well. But you also want to lead your team and grow your team into being able to be that person without needing you to be on every single call. So I love that. Um, I want to drill more into it. I want to see more insights from you on just how you approach that role of sales leadership and mentorship as, as you're growing a team.
1: Yeah, I think uh, one of the most valuable lessons I learned a long, long time ago was understanding what a privilege it is to be asked to be the leader of a team. Whether your team has one person on it or a hundred people on it, it is a privilege and you're being asked to, to help people with their careers, potentially help people you know, through challenging times Um, with their clients, with the internal politics of a firm. And in my opinion, in our industry, there is no greater privilege. And I think sometimes it's easy because you can feel like you're in a little bit of a sandwiched role sometimes as, as a sales manager. It's easy to forget about that privilege because there is always a lot of work to do. You know, I think a really strong sales leader is really, really good at quote unquote protecting their team from any issues that may that may be coming down from from above, and when I say protect, it's not in a in a style that suggests there should be zero transparency, but it's in a style that suggests you know what I'm here to make sure that all obstacles for you as a sales professional are moved out of the way so you can just be successful, and having strong enough leaders to be able to you know kind of have backbone push back when, when required to basically make sure that their team is unencumbered by, by anything that may come up during the, the course of the sales year, I think is a really important skill and it's a really important attribute of, of sales management.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, I think when I look at it too, just being RevOps, as much as I'm not leading a sales team... I find a lot of my role is balancing, all right, what is best for the company? Again, that stuff that's coming from the top down that you might not have control over that you need to protect the team with or protect the team from, rather. What, you know, What's best for the company versus what's best for the rep? And it may not always be the same thing. And I think, again, with RevOps, I, I'm always personally trying to find that balance of understanding the sales psychology and what motivates a sales rep when we're building comp plans and driving behavior there, but also doing what's best for the company, whether that is driven by finance, like you mentioned before, or driven by tech. You know, how do we align with company goals in a way that's still going to keep our best salespeople happy and making money? As a sales leader, what is your perspective on on maintaining that balance and doing what's right? You know, being a good corporate citizen and also doing what's good and going to make your team a lot of money.
1: Yeah, it, it's, it's a perfect question because, you know what, when someone applies for a job as a salesperson, everyone around them should draw the conclusion that they are there to make money, right? They are there to make money for the company, for the share price. You know, maybe they're helping their customers make money. They definitely want to make money for themselves and their primary objective and everything, all of the infrastructure around them should be to support those goals, right? There, there's a declaration when someone comes forward and says, I want to be a sales professional for your organization. They're declaring that they want to be in a position to make you successful, make themselves successful, make the customers successful. And the deal that organizations must do with that salesperson is to say, great, I'll take you on. And in exchange, these are the commitments I'm going to make to you. I'm going to commit to have you know, the very best product set for you to be able to to put forward in the marketplace or the very best solution to put forward in the marketplace. I'm going to commit to you that the infrastructure you need and the resources you need are going to be made available to you to be the very best you can be. I'm going to commit that once you start selling for me, that I'm going to compensate you in such a way that motivates you to keep selling for me. And I think when there's an imbalance there is usually when salespeople are going to part ways with their organization, right? Because Salespeople do not hide at any point in the discussion what they're there to do. Uh, an excellent salesperson, of course, cares about factors that are you know, outside of the bottom line, but primarily they're there to, to make money for you and the customers and themselves. And so organizations that don't kind of foster that environment or, or that culture for successful salespeople, they'll see high turnover. Often you'll hear non-sales leaders say things like, oh, that person's coin operated. And I'm like, yes, they are. You've nailed it. So can we move on now and talk about other matters at hand? And so I think as sales management, your role of advocacy for your sales team becomes very, very important because there's always going to be other priorities for the C-suite, always right whether it be regulatory pressures or pressures from competition or pressures to spend more money on real estate or pressures to have a better program for working mums there's always going to be pressures on that C suite but as a sales leader it's most definitely your responsibility for your flock right for your for your herd you know you're the shepherd and you're trying to lead your team to successful outcomes it's your job as a sales leader to advocate on behalf of your team to make sure that those those criteria keep keep being met for your team.
0: Yeah, and I'm just going to throw in a shameless plug for RevOps there too. Um, <laughs> you know, leverage your RevOps people as well because um, a good ops person, in addition to a good salesperson, right, or sales leader, is is there to help you navigate that too. And knowing what's best for maybe that finance team and knowing how to navigate. This is this is the best business case we can put forward to make sure that the sales team is happy because again, especially in this day and age, right? You hear the Great Resignation. You hear, um, you know, people just looking for the the next best thing. It's happening a lot in sales. You know, there's a lot of demand for good talent, and so you know, how do you keep and retain that good talent and keep them happy? There's always going to be feedback. There's always going to be egos and, and and different things working with personality type, working with different personality types. It is
1: really navigating that shameless plug there. Yeah. You know what, though, Jenna? It, like, it's, you've, you've nailed it, right? 100 100%, 100%. Because I often think of it in these terms, right? You and I go and see a, a, a great movie, and we say, wow, those actors were great. But you and I know, even though we probably don't think of it in the moment, when we leave the cinema... There was two thousand people that made that actor look good, right? And so your sales professional might be the the person who's on the front lines, messaging in the marketplace and, and and closing deals in the marketplace. But without a really really strong team behind them, whether it be sales ops, rev ops, whether it be a great legal team, uh, great technologists, you know, great great service and support staff, then. It's for naught for the for the salesperson. So you make a a, a really valid point.
0: Yeah, always got to shamelessly plug uh, RevOps there. But again, yeah, it is it is the full team behind you, right? And uh, it goes back to facilitating that culture of of driving the best process, the best comp plans, the best in class overall team for your sales and revenue orgs to really you know keep them happy, which then in terms keeps the customer happy at the center of everything. So. All comes full circle at the end of the day. You know, as we wrap up, I would just love if somebody does want to reach out to you and talk further about this or anything else, um, what is the best way for somebody to reach you?
1: Yeah, you know what? LinkedIn is, is the best way. I have a lot of folks reaching out to me on LinkedIn. Um, so it's Allison Graham. Um, I'm in New York. I work for AWS. There's not many of us. Well, there's a couple of Allison Grahams, but, you know, I'm the only Australian one living in New York, I think. Uh, and so it's A L I S O N Graham is G R A H A M, and I'm really fast to respond. So if anyone's looking for a one-to-one conversation, uh, advice on on lead generation, any any of the topics that we covered today, I'm, I'd be more than happy to to share everything I know.
0: Okay, well, Thank you so much for being here. It was so great talking to you, um, and you know, hope to talk to you again soon. Great! Thank you, Jenna.
1: Hey, Salespeople is a production made in partnership with Frequency Media. I'm your host, Jeremy Donovan. This podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever podcasts are found. Thanks for listening to the Hey, Salespeople podcast.